The following audio is from Calvary Chapel, Monrovia. For more information, please visit www.ccmonrovia.org. Matthew chapter 15, we want to talk about great faith. We'll be picking up in verse 21, just a short passage tonight. But let me, as you're turning there, let me remind you what the book of Hebrews says about faith. Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God is looking for faith. God is pleased with faith. Those who believe not only that he exists, but that he is a rewarder. He is a good God looking to bless with goodness to those that come to him in sincerity, seeking him diligently, honestly. And that that faith blesses him. He's pleased by that. We've been looking through on uh, our Wednesday nights at these encounters with Jesus. Been looking at Jesus meeting with various people in his ministry, just some of them one-on-one, some of them groups, but these encounters, not necessarily his sermons or his teaching, but just those moments where he ministers one-on-one in individuals and kind of capturing a little bit of the heart of Jesus, the power and life of Jesus. And I think there's been some great kind of instruction for our heart and life as well. And what we notice, just as you read through the Gospels, Jesus is looking for faith. Even in his disciples, he he gets a little frustrated. Where's your faith? Guys, come on, where's your faith? Remember on numerous occasions, the disciples became fearful, the disciples became troubled, and Jesus would try to encourage them. Guys, where was your faith? And so he's looking to encourage faith. And on the rare occasion where he saw great faith, we see that he comments on it. And it's only a couple of times in all the Gospels that Jesus himself is marveled and impressed by faith. And tonight is one of those occasions where Jesus is going to be impressed by faith. The setting for our text tonight is Jesus kind of retreating out of the Jewish area of Israel. Most of Jesus' ministry was in Israel. He came as the Jewish Messiah to minister to the nation of Israel. He was Jewish. He came to present himself as the Messiah to the Jewish people. Now, God's ultimate plan through Christ was to offer him first to the Jewish nation as Savior and then through the Jewish nation to the world, to all the Gentile, un-Jewish population as well. But in initially his ministry, we see Jesus ministering primarily to the Jewish population. And by now, his ministry, he's become somewhat popular. He's performed miracles. His teaching is ministering to hearts. Lives are being changed. The crowds are really starting to gather and follow Jesus. He can't really go anywhere publicly without being kind of thronged by crowds. But just as the people are embracing him and loving him and flocking to him, so the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the religious kind of hierarchy of the day, they are coming and confronting him. There's conflict. They don't like Jesus because he doesn't follow their protocols. He doesn't kind of bow to their high-mindedness. And, you know, he doesn't appreciate their position. 
And so he finds conflict with the Pharisees, but he, infi- he finds this embrace by the crowd. And in this setting, it seems that Jesus is just kind of taking a break. He leaves the, the Jewish area of Israel. He goes up to the north, what would be today modern-day Lebanon, and he goes there. This is a non-Jewish area. This would have been a, uh, a, a Greek-cultured area, so really kind of removes himself from kind of his popularity and also the conflict uh, that he was having with the Jewish leaders. And in that setting, he runs into an individual who comes and embraces him with faith. Pick it up with me in verse 21, just a few verses, and you capture this event. Then Jesus went out from there, out from the Jewish area of Israel, and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. That was up to the north. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, Son of David, my daughter is severely demon possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread. And throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. He's up in this region of Tyre and Sidon. And it's something of seemingly a little bit of a, an escape from the, the rigors of the ministry that he's just recently been engaged in down in Israel. And this woman, a foreigner, she's not a Jew, of Jewish descent. Uh, Matthew tells us that she has even Canaanite background. You remember the Canaanites were the ones that Israel came in to dispossess uh, from the land many, many years prior when Joshua brought God's people into the promised land. It was the Canaanites, and they continued to be enemies of the people of Israel for generations. And yet this woman comes and expresses this faith in Jesus, and Jesus commends her with great faith. But an interesting exchange, how it kind of uh, works out. But, but Jesus commends this woman's faith and says that it's great. And let's just take a few moments to consider what was great about her faith. First of all, her faith was in Jesus. Verse 22 says, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. This was a messianic phrase. This would, this would have been what you would have expected from a good Orthodox Jew. Ah, Jesus, son of David, Lord, Messiah, come to save. But in fact, most and many of the religious uh, establishment in Israel, they weren't looking to him as Messiah or Savior at all. They were trying to discredit him. They did not believe the testimony concerning his life and his ministry. Yet this foreigner... This woman outside the nation of Israel, she recognizes this is the Savior, this is the Son of David, this is the Jewish Messiah, and I have need, I'm coming to him, I need 
a blessing from him as well. I'm not Jewish, but I believe that he is the son of David. She expresses this faith that even the nation of Israel, for the most part, neglected. You don't need to turn, but you remember what John said in his gospel, John 1 verse 11, speaking of Jesus, he says that he came to his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Many of his own rejected him, but this woman, this foreigner, she received him and to her he gave the right to become the children of God. She believed that he was the Lord. She believed that he was the son of David and she believed that he would be merciful to her. Son of David, have mercy on me. She knew that she was not entitled. She did not come with a, an attitude of, hey, Jesus, help me out here. You owe me. You're God and I'm in need and, and I, I want you to help me out. It wasn't that. It was have mercy on me. She knew that she was outside the people of God. She, she did not come with this entitlement mentality, but rather she comes and just begs for mercy. Jesus, I'm in trouble. I know that, you know, you haven't come to my nation. I know that I'm on the outside looking in. I recognize that I am not really on the inside of, of what, who you've come to minister to and speak to, but here's all I can say. I'm desperate. Please just be merciful to me not by anything I deserve, not by anything that I can merit or earn from you, but, but Jesus, please have mercy on me. She knew that she needed mercy. And this is a good place for all faith to begin, a place of uh, recognizing a need for mercy, recognizing a humility before the Lord, recognizing that any good thing, any blessing, any help, or any hope that we have from God is an extension of his mercy. Faith does not come in demanding what, what rightfully belongs to itself. Faith comes in and says, God, I'm looking to you to be, a, to be merciful to me. You are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you, not because we deserve it, but because you are a good and merciful and gracious God. And she recognizes that she needed mercy from Jesus. The other thing we notice about this great faith is that it is a faith born in adversity. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Quite often in the scriptures, we see parents burdened for their children, don't we? We talked about Jairus' daughter. We've seen in other situations the man bringing the demon-possessed son for deliverance, and now this woman is there interceding for her daughter. If you're a parent, you can relate to this. Some of your deepest prayers, some of your deepest cries to God are for your children, sometimes even more uh, you know, burdened than your own life and your own need, you are burdened for those that you love, particularly in this case, this woman's daughter. She lived in, as I said, kind of this Greek culture. The Greeks had all kinds of false and pagan gods, you know, Zeus and, 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 the, and the gamut. So she no doubt was involved in some kind of pagan worship. And through that kind of lifestyle or spiritual life, it may very well have led to her daughter's bondage. 
We don't know the background or the details, but we know that her daughter was severely demon-possessed. And this is a woman who finds out, she hears that this Jesus is in town. She, you know, not something she would have expected. She heard about him back down in Israel. He's in town. Once she finds out, she begins to come for him. My daughter is in trouble and I need you to help have mercy on me. And often faith is birthed in great adversity. Some of the greatest trials and some of the greatest troubles are where the greatest faith is birthed and rise up in our life. I've seen this even in my own life. I've seen this in ministry. How many times I've seen when, when crisis comes to a family, families come to the Lord. They turn to the Lord. Oftentimes they turn to the Lord out of, the, out of that trial, out of that desperation, Prayed with many people that have, you know, new to the faith, new in fellowship. What's going on? We, we had trouble at home. We have trouble with a teenager. We have an issue, at, at, you know, uh, financially. Our marriage is in crisis. We're crying out to God. We're here. We're turning to the Lord. We don't know what else to do. We just know that we need help. We know that we need God. And that's kind of the, the place this woman is in. In this deep trouble, she turns to the Lord, and her faith, Jesus will commend as great. But Jesus is going to help her develop this faith in this encounter, and we see that her faith has to persevere a little bit, doesn't it? It's not like Jesus just instantly answers her prayer. He kind of draws her out in faith. In fact, it seems like Jesus tries to put her off a little bit, right? He, he, he knew her need, He already knew that he was going to bless her, but he doesn't respond right away. It says in verse 22, he answered her not a word. She's like following them along. They're working their way through town here, and she's just hounding them. Son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. My daughter, my daughter, Jesus, help me, save me. And yet Jesus doesn't even acknowledge her. Jesus doesn't even turn to her, almost as if he's, he's silent towards her request. What's he doing? Is Jesus just being harsh? Is Jesus just, you know, t- wanting to be, look, I'm off the clock right now. I'm up here kind of taking a break. I don't have time to do miracles. Is it Jesus kind of just being insensitive? Or is Jesus wanting to bring something out of her and, and rise up in her concerning faith? Listen to the psalmist, David, what he says in Psalm 13, verse 1 and 2. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Can any of you relate to that psalm? Have you ever walked through seasons of difficulty and it seems as though heaven is silent? You're crying out to God, you're, you're, you're praying, you're, you're really you know, extending your heart, your faith. I mean, you're moved deeply. You're, it, it's, it's not just a moment of, of prayer, but it's a, it's a season of prayer. And it seems as though the Lord answers you not a word. It seems like silence is all that you notice coming from the Lord. Is it because the Lord doesn't hear us? Is it because the Lord's simply just not interested? Is it because the Lord is preoccupied? 
Or is it because God is working something of deeper faith into your heart and into your life? It's not uncommon, believers, to to have heaven go silent in some seasons of your life. You hear the psalmist, how long, Lord? How long will I be waiting for you to remedy this? How long until you break through God? And there are times when God delays. There are times when God is silent. But I believe those are not times when God is absent. I believe that he's very present. I believe that he's very specifically developing and growing and maturing your faith. He's drawing you into a deeper walk and relationship with him. The Bible says that God is very a very present help in time of need. The Bible says that, that your heavenly Father knows what you have need of even before you ask it. The Bible says that he knows even the number of hairs upon your head. He is intimately acquainted with you. He loves you. He cares for you. He is sovereignly watching over every aspect of your life. So when there is silence, it's let it not be as in your mind that somehow God doesn't care. Rather, understand that it is God who deeply cares that is drawing me into a, a deeper place of faith and trust and dependence and prayer life and, and maturity and all that he is looking to grow and work in us. Silence tests our faith. It tests us to trust him. It tests us to wait for him. How many of you know that his timing is not always our timing? In fact, have you noticed that that is almost always the case? His timing is never really your timing or my timing. But God has a purpose even in his timing, even in what he, when he answers prayer, even when he works is wisely and sovereignly directed by a loving God. And there are some things that you and I think, oh, we need it now. But if God were to move now, you would miss the blessing of what is coming if you can wait. And God orchestrating these affairs of our life, and even in this woman, played out right here with this this woman kind of on him. She's trying to get him to respond, but he's purposefully delaying. He's purposefully going silent. And the, the disciples... They kind of, it becomes a nuisance to them. You know, the the spiritual-minded disciples, uh, send her away. She's bothering us. Jesus, do something with this woman. Tell her, you you know, you're you're not healing today. Or just heal her daughter. Do whatever she needs so she'll just quit bothering us. It's like a nuisance to them. Ever been around some Christians that's like, make you feel like you're just a nuisance here? Why are you, you know... You've got to press through sometimes even the, the lack of faith of other believers. Sometimes you have to press through and find Jesus. Some people get discouraged because they don't see in Christians the things that they want to see for encouragement, and then they become discouraged with Christ. And I think that would have been the woman's case here. If she would have just looked, you know, paid attention to these disciples, she would have thought, man, what a group he's with. You know, if these are his disciples, if these are the ones he's trained, then there's no help for me here. But she doesn't really allow them to distract her. And listen, that's part of great faith. Sometimes your faith has to press through what everybody else is saying, what everybody else is doing or not doing. You can get derailed if you, keep, if you get too focused on the spirituality of others. You can become discouraged. You can feel like, wow, you know, it, it, 
if that's Christianity, if that's someone who's supposed to care about, you can get your eyes off of the Lord and we get our eyes on one another. And her faith has to overcome this. Her faith has to overcome even the disciples trying to kind of push her away like a nuisance. It's a faith that has to persevere and Jesus is drawing it out. He answers his disciples, not even directly to her, but he says it loud enough for her to overhear. He answered and said to his disciples, his disciples said, come on, Jesus, get, get rid of this gal. And he said, but I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus is letting this woman know, he's speaking to the disciples, my ministry as Savior, Messiah, is first to the nation of Israel. We are up here in Gentile territory I've not come yet to minister the gospel in this region. I'm first to minister to the Jews. God's ultimate plan was through the Jews to the world. But first, in terms of priority, to the Jews. That was God's plan. So Jesus says that, and she hears that. And what does she do? Does she walk away? Oh, it's just bad timing. Okay, well, I'll, I'll catch you after the resurrection, you know, when the gospel comes my way. No, she doesn't stop there. Again, great faith perseveres. It presses in, and she, it draws her into worship. Verse 25, then she came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. She was not put off by this. She was not willing to accept that this Jesus would not help her if she would but press in him, press on him in faith. There's a certain determination, and I believe that Jesus is intentionally drawing this woman into this place of understanding. She comes humbly. She comes in worship. She comes simple but sincere. Lord, help me. And sometimes after everything's been said and after everything's been prayed, that's just all you can do. Lord, just help me. <laughs> Lord, I just need help. I know I've prayed that prayer before many times. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe that's a prayer you just need to pray tonight. Maybe heaven's silent for you. Maybe there's discouragements. Maybe you're wondering if, if this is even what Jesus has for you. Maybe the timing's wrong. Maybe it's not his will. You're confused. But you can always come to the feet of Jesus and bow your heart in worship and simply say, Lord, help me. I don't know, Lord. I'm not sure. I don't understand, but I know this. I need you to be merciful to me. I'm asking you to help me. And I believe that, that, that God is actually sometimes looking for that prayer not coming in with all the details of requests, not coming in with all the strategy on how you would like him to fulfill it, not all of it, just, Lord, I just need your help. I'm desperate, Lord, just help me. And the Lord does meet her, but not yet. He draws her out. Now he turns to her directly, and he says, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. I don't believe the Lord is trying to insult the woman here by calling her a little dog. This, this phrase, little dogs, it's, it's an affectionate term, like, like your beloved pet. Jesus is saying, listen, I have a priority in ministry. I've come first to minister to the Jewish nation, and it's not good. It wouldn't be a good parent to, you know, not feed the children, but instead 
feed the pets first. You feed the children first. You take care of the family. Jesus is letting this woman know, look, I, I'm, I have a certain mission. I have a certain prophetic calling. I have a certain priority. The gospel will come to the Gentiles, but the gospel first is coming to the nation of Israel. And she responds, yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And I think this is what Jesus was after all along. There it is. There's great faith. You've come from just a cry of faith, a desperate cry for help, to great faith. You you can believe that a God, even out of time for you as a Gentile, even not your season yet, even not, you know, what I've come specifically to do, yet you still believe that there is goodness available for you through the ministry of Jesus Christ. That is great faith. She acknowledges Jesus' mission. She doesn't argue with him. She doesn't say, well, that's not fair. Well, how come? Why are the Jews first? Why not? Uh, you know, uh, she doesn't go into the, yes, Lord. I do understand who you are. I do understand why you've come. I, I, I understand that there is an order and a timing to your work. I respect that, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Still, I believe, God, there is good that you have for me. Still, I believe, God, that you can bless me and help me. My faith believes that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. Jew, Gentile, male, female, it doesn't matter. I believe that you are a good God and that even crumbs from your table, even something outside your primary initial ministry on earth as, as God in the flesh, I still believe that there is something good that you would have for me, and even the crumbs are good. You remember the psalmist, eight, Psalm 84, verse 10, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. The psalmist says, you know, Lord, just just one day in your house is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather just be a doorkeeper with you. I'd rather be something insignificant in your presence than anywhere else. And that's the heart that this woman expresses. Jesus, just a crumb. Any goodness from you is enough for me. Because it's your goodness that I need. It's your presence. It's your blessing. It's your help. And I believe that's the heart of faith. When you know deep down, nothing else will do. No one else will do. I have to have you. I have to have your work. I have to have your touch. I have to have your purpose, your grace, your power in my life. I can't be satisfied with anything less than something from your table, Lord. And even a crumb from your table. And again, this is not Jesus unwilling to bless. This is Jesus drawing her faith into the deeper blessing that he has for her. O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as as you desire. And her daughter was healed that very hour. That's what Jesus was after the great faith. He saw in this woman something better than just your average cry for help. He saw in this woman a faith that would persist, that would pursue, that would lay hold of him. Oh, woman, great is your faith. As I mentioned, all the gospels, 
There's only a couple places where Jesus himself commends faith. And yet that's what he wants. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. The book of Hebrews says those that exemplified faith, God was proud to be called their father. He was proud to be their God for the people that came to him in faith. Jesus was trying to bring this woman to a place of rare exception. Woman, great is your faith. With the disciples, so often, guys, where's your faith? (laughs) To this woman, Great is your faith. It was born in her trial. It was born in desperation, but it was, she persevered and she knew deep down that this Jesus is good. This Jesus has something good for me. There's mercy here. There's help here. And he's got the only help that will save my situation. And I believe that's a place of great faith. When you recognize that Jesus is what you need, you need his mercy, you need his help in your life. Sometimes we have to, we try everything, don't we? We try everything but Jesus, right? We even say it sometimes. Well, all we can do now is what? Pray. We've, we've explored all the, the real possible solutions, and now all we're left with is this measly old thing called prayer. And yet, Jesus said, how great is your faith. Listen, it's important to understand, Jesus did not talk, or excuse me, this woman did not talk Jesus into doing something against God's will. Her faith persevered and opened up God's will. Jesus grew her faith into this blessing that he had already ordained. As you read on in this passage, we won't tonight, but if you read on, he soon leaves. He's not up in this area very long. He never returns. There's no other recorded work. It it almost seems like he came there for her. It almost seems that he went to that region because he knew there was a woman who was in desperate need of mercy and help for her daughter and that there was faith beginning to bloom. There was a, a seed of faith beginning, a kernel of faith beginning to come up in her heart, and this little exchange changed her life forever. Sometimes it's easier for us to have faith for others. I believe God has something good for you, but it's hard for us to, to really believe that God, you have something good for me. This woman knew, God, there's, there's blessing here. I've got to find, I've got to hold on. I've got to obtain it through my faith. I said earlier, I read it again. Without faith, it's impossible to please him for he, he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I'm going to close here in a moment, ask the worship team to come on up. But I want to just give you a quick testimony of a, a woman who attends our fellowship she was a, this is years back, she was a, the worship team, come on up. The, uh, she was a, a single mother, um, son and a daughter, young kids, trying to make it on her own. She wasn't a believer. A friend uh, invited her to church. She came to our church and just, you know, noticed something that was attractive to her. There was love there. There was the people were seemed to be, you know, sincere and open-hearted. 
And so she was drawn to this idea of Christianity. She was beginning to have her heart opened up to faith, but she was struggling, trying to make it. And you know, single moms have a hard, have a hard road. And there was a lot of drama and background, and she was in a desperate situation. But this friend of her encouraged her to go to the Harvest Crusade. Just go, check it out. And uh, her testimony, you know, she wanted to go, but everything was against her to go. It was just this horrible situation with her schedule, her vehicle, getting the kids together. They, they, but they, she was just determined to go. I'm going to this Harvest Crusade. She didn't even know what it was or what to expect, but she just was desperate for something. And so she gets the kids down there. They get there late. It's one of the big nights down there at Anaheim Stadium. There, you can't even sit. You know, they, she says, we sat up in some tucked away back in the corner. We couldn't even see it. We didn't even have a direct sight line to the stage, but we had this little monitor that we could see. He, Greg Laurie up there preaching the gospel, me and my two little ones with me. And she said, this is her testimony. She said, Pastor, the Spirit of God fell on us in that little back corner of that stadium when we heard the gospel. My heart was melted. Both of my kids, with tears running down our faces, we made our way to the field and we received Jesus Christ as our Savior. And what a blessing that began in her life, in her family. That friend of hers that encouraged her to go to the Harvest Crusade became her fiance. I had the blessing here not so too long ago to officiate their wedding. And now you just see this beautiful work of God's grace and God's mercy and God's saving power in her life. Many of you would know them. I won't mention them tonight. Just don't want to embarrass anybody. But that's the, that kind of desperate faith that, you know, I've just got to, find, I've got to get to Jesus. I know that there's good there. I know there's something for me with him. I know that there's mercy available if I can lay hold of him in faith. You know, the Lord is not holding out. The Lord is not reluctant to bless you. God has goodness prepared for you. God has good things. He works all things together for good. He is a good, good father. And God wants to bless. God wants to work in your life. It may be that, that you're desperate tonight, that you, you're, you're just, God is asking you to, to rise up in faith and, and come and lay hold of Jesus and what he has for you tonight. Maybe you're a believer and heaven seems silent to you right now. And you're wondering, like the psalmist, how long, Lord? How long will this situation remain before I I have answer? I want you to be encouraged tonight. Heaven may be silent, but it won't be silent forever. It may be that Jesus is drawing you into a deeper response of faith. And maybe you're here tonight and you don't know the Lord, but you want to know the Lord. And you, and you know that this same Jesus has something good for you. He wants to show you mercy as well. This woman wasn't part of the, the Jewish nation. She, was, she wasn't supposed to be a part of the, the, the revival that Jesus intended to bring. Not yet. She was out of time, out of place. You know, she had no business being there with Jesus. But Jesus had every business in her life 
drawing her into faith. And maybe you're here tonight and you feel like you're the least likely candidate for Jesus. But listen, Jesus is trying to draw you. Do you believe? Do you believe that I have mercy for you? Do you believe that I can touch and bring good to your life? Can you rise up in faith? And lay hold of that tonight. I'd love to pray for you if that's your situation. Maybe you're here tonight and you just need that encouraging word. Maybe you need to recommit your heart to the Lord. Maybe you, through circumstance, you've become discouraged and you think heaven's given up on you, so you might as well just go back to your old life. But tonight you realize God's not giving up. God's trying to draw you deeper. God wants to do more. God has goodness and blessing for you. We're going to close here in a song of worship. I'm going to ask all of you just to stand with me for a moment here tonight, but I want to pray. I want to pray if you're here tonight and you want to receive Christ into your heart, the Lord's spoken to you tonight, and you realize that you need to exercise faith. And that's what Jesus was drawing out of this woman. He could have instantly said, yes, woman, your daughter is healed. He could have done what he did in an instant, but he waited And sometimes God wants faith, that exercise of faith. Well, I'm willing to become a Christian, you know, if it happens. Well, it's going to happen when you say, Jesus, have mercy on me. Come into my life. Make a difference in my heart. My situation is dark and desperate. I need you. If you're here tonight and you need Jesus and that you know that, and that's a cry of faith from your heart, just raise your hand tonight. You need the Lord. Maybe you need to come back to the Lord, rededicate your life to the Lord. Anybody here tonight, the Lord is speaking to you, and you need this prayer. There's a hand back there. God bless you. Up in front here. There in the middle. Don't be ashamed. This woman had no shame. The disciples said, get rid of her. Come on, she's making a nuisance. God bless you, ma'am, as well. She didn't care. Jesus is here. Jesus has something for me. The Savior of the world. Very back there. God bless you. Amen. Against the wall. Cry out to him tonight. Let this be your moment of faith. Amen. Over here on my, my right. God bless you. Anyone else? You need Jesus in your life. You need his mercy. You see, he died on a cross for you, for your sins. So you can come tonight and put your faith and trust in him. And he will save you. He'll forgive you. He'll cleanse you. He'll show his mercy to you. He'll begin to transform your life. If you need to come back to the Lord, I want to pray for you too. Anybody else? There's many have responded. Anybody else before I pray? God bless you. So Lord, I do thank you for these hearts responding to you tonight. Jesus, you're the same today as you were that day when you ventured into that woman's city and she noticed and she'd heard of you and she came for you in faith and you met her and you saved her and you saved her daughter and you changed her life forever. For these hearts responding tonight, God, It's the same faith. Jesus, we believe that you're here. We believe that you're good. We believe that you love us. We believe that there's mercy available with you tonight. 
We're asking you to forgive us of our sins. We're asking for you to save us in our circumstance. We're asking for something good of your grace to come into our hearts and into our lives, not because we've deserved it or have any merit before you, but because we just believe that you are a God who rewards faith tonight. And our faith is in you, Jesus, and what you've done for us at the cross, dying for my sins, raising and even alive today to speak and minister to my heart. I receive you by faith, and I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Calvary Chapel, Monrovia. To view and listen to more sermons, please visit www.ccmonrovia.org.